He was 180 inches, just not what I'm looking for. This is your host, Jordan Risky of the Nimrods Podcast, brought to you by Prime Archery and Risky Outdoors. We have a pretty cool little episode here for you as we get Dave Oakley on the phone and chat about some out west hunting trips that Dave's been able to experience, as well as a buck that he harvested two years ago here in the great state of Michigan. And uh, yeah, we talk about Dave and the land that he hunts and how he acquired property at a young age and just the sacrifices that it takes for people to purchase land. So without further ado, let's get my good buddy Dave on the phone. All right, so we got my good buddy David Oakley on the phone. Um, Dave, just kind of tell a little bit about yourself, how you got into hunting, and uh, yeah, a little background on the old DL. Well, how'd I get into hunting? Kind of grew right up into it. Don't know a time when hunting didn't exist. You know, grew up on the family farm, uh, hunting with my dad back then. We had set aside, so barely old enough to carry a 20 gauge. It was nothing but bird hunting and sitting in bale blinds with him growing up. Then, you know, walked right into back then. We couldn't hunt with a gun until we were 14, so I didn't shoot a deer until I was 14. Bow hunting started at 12. I don't think I shot my first deer with a bow until I was 16. And, you know, from there on, it just kept building up. And I came up into a time when, oh, man, he was, I feel like when I was about 16 years old, after I shot my first deer, he was shooting a big one every year. So kind of started passing up at a young age, and it just took off from there. Gotcha. So you, you also have had the chance to go out west a few times, right? I did. I ended up going, uh, I think we went to Colorado in 2013. How old were you then? That would have been, man, you're killing me. So you were just out of high school, right? Yeah, I think I was uh, two years out of high school we went there. I was probably 19, 20 years old. That'd be a trip, too. I wish I could have went that young. I would have been a little older than that. No, I had to be 21 by then. Okay. Because you were drinking beer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember that, cause we had a beer at the bar after we, we shot an elk, so. Well, there you go. You, you shot a bull, right? did. I shot a 5x5. Five five. Um, this was, I was up in the Craig area of Colorado, and it was all over-counter um, public land. So, never being out west before. I mean, I've gone out a couple times prairie dog hunting before then, but never after big game. We pull up, it's just like Michigan deer opener, orange everywhere. You know, you're just trying to get away from people, but no, that was a that was a trip. I actually shot my elk off the same ridge that my old man got one 14 years prior. Wow, that's pretty cool. Well, that was pretty cool to have that. How many how many how many elk has your old man killed? Uh, I think he's got two elk. Two. It was just all legal bulls. I happened to get a five by five that was really nice for the area. But when you go out there, we're not, you know, you never know when you'll be able to make it back. You're spending all your hard earned money and you're going whatever, whatever's legal. We're coming home with something. Nobody likes tag soup. Yeah. And that, and that's like something that like guys, like flatlanders like us, when you go out West, like you can't, I mean, you can be picky, but don't expect to, to harvest something every year or every three or five years at that. I mean, if you're picky, 
it's they're very few in farming. But you might get one opportunity every five years if oh, you're yeah. if you're picky. I mean, we kind of witnessed that this year out in Nebraska mule deer hunting. I mean, we I think we hit it right. We found a good area, and we're very fortunate. But some of us came home without a tag simply because we were a little bit more picky than we should have been. But everybody got shots. I mean, yeah. The type of hunt we had in Nebraska this past year, I don't think you can top it. I mean, that just doesn't happen for do-it-yourself out-of-state hunts to where everybody gets a shot. I mean, we had six guys in camp. Yeah. Everybody gets a shot. We all saw deer. No bad weather. I mean, except that half hour of... (laughs) Half hour where you and Phil and Tribby almost died. Uh, that, that's the only time in the field I've actually been worried a little bit. <laughs> okay, I just want to set the stage for this a little bit to explain to people. So David, Phil, and our buddy Matt went out hiking and through. It's a desert, but basically, right? It's a desert. Oh, a desert. And I'm taking... Brad and Chris are two other bodies. I'm taking them to this other area. So the first like three days, I solely just focused on getting other people on deer because I I just went out there just to have fun and hang out with buddies. And we're driving, and I'm not kidding you, it was one of the darkest clouds I've ever seen, and it was just sitting over the top of this area that David and Matt and Phil were walking, and it just started dumping like hail. I mean, hail, hail. And oh gosh, it was so funny. We were just, we were laughing so hard in the truck because it's bright and sunny. And then just knowing that you three are stranded. <laughs> we're right in the middle of it. It's, it was crazy. You know, we're kind of split up. Every We can see each other throughout this. I don't know if you want to call it a valley or, but uh, we can see it see each other and at first i mean it was really hot that day it was what 90 degrees or something so th- those guys are in shorts you know i got a sleeveless shirt on and everything we're walking out there it starts raining yeah this is nice and quarter size hail and there is no trees anywhere <laughs> <laughs> gotta go tuck under some sagebrush and just wait it out and then all then all the runoff from the rain from all the side hills that that area you could tell floods regularly oh no we're we're in the bottom of it and i mean it was coming up over your boots in some spots i mean it was coming down fast because the water couldn't go anywhere yeah one it was so dry and then everything just funneled down to that that you know it's funny dave uh you know jordan ropes me into this i signed on the dotted line but he didn't share any of this stuff all i heard was everybody's getting multiple shots at nice muleys it's a blast you'll love it you know, after I sign up for this gig, we're uh, <laughs> we're talking about all this nasty weather and flash floods and. Uh, it, before we got into that, I was already yelling at Jordy anyway. Because as soon as we pull up to camp, I thought, you know, I'm a Michigan whitetail hunter. There is no way there's a deer out in this area. <laughs> it is great desert. And it was loaded with deer. Nonstop, every bush. It's, it is, hands down, it, I, it's the best trip I've ever been on as far as hunting experience. It was so rich with opportunity. It was, 
it was it was amazing. It was fun. I don't. We may never have another experience like that in our lifetime. Very possible. And we could go back this year and not see a deer. You know. Oh. Hands down, you could. But anyway, I mean, we're not hoping for that, though, guys. Right? I mean, no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we all want to fill the bags. Yeah, and (laughs) I shot a really good one. You shot a good one this year. I am my my standards are not high, and I don't think you can go out there with high standards. Spot stock like that. I mean, we all ended up having good opportunities, but I mean, I got mine with a good old fashioned Michigan deer drive. <laughs> Michigan deer drive. <laughs> Literally, I bumped that deer to Dave, and we we're well. Go ahead and explain that story of sneaking that, up on it. That was uh, you were actually on those deer, right? Yep, there was five of them or six, something like uh, that. Just remember, we're. We're all set up on this hillside, spread out all over this prairie, in this valley. And oh, you bumped, you ended up bumping those deer, and I saw this one that broke off. And I got a hold of Tribby, and I told him whereabouts where it was at. And we kind of, you know, wanted to circle in on this thing. My whole mindset was, it's midday. Let's wait this thing out. He's bedded down in there. He's gonna leave. Mm-hmm. Well, I ended up taking off running, getting high side. Past Chris, I think he was sleeping under a bush. <laughs> and I was right over top of him. Him and Brad both. <laughs> but ended up crawling up. I got like 100 yards from this area he was in. And, you know, just getting set up and was getting ready to settle in and sit there the rest of the day because I knew this buck would come out and. Before you know it, here comes Trivia. He's walking right through the middle of it. <laughs> Knocked an arrow and got ready. And so there was a fence. Actually, ranged this fence line. Every deer we bumped out there, they don't want to jump the fence. I'm like, all right, he's going to follow that fence. He shouldn't jump it. And lo and behold, he did. I ranged that fence at 50 yards or just over 50 yards. And that deer bumped out of there, and I pulled back, and I've never been so shook up in my life. But <laughs> he definitely closer than 50 yards. Yeah. And there's something to say about that. Like, I was trying to explain to Jake today. I'm like, man, if I had a choice to go to Iowa this year and hunt big whitetails or go back to Nebraska, to me, I'd be back heading out to Nebraska. They're just... Well- that's where we're at this year too because me and Chris ended up coming with you guys last year because I failed on my fourth point Mm -hmm. for uh, Iowa and that's where I was torn this year because if I'm going to do a trip you know Iowa is pretty expensive that's what's so nice about Nebraska it's it's chasing something a little different there's more uh, you know camaraderie to the trip because we can all be together and hang out and it's run and gun Mm -hmm. I mean what our whole trip costs is what, yeah, I I did it. I figured I did the whole thing under five hundred. Because I ended up paying for Nebraska for what I got back for not drawing Iowa. That's crazy. Unbelievable, dude. So think about that. That's crazy. But Iowa's a different animal. I mean, you have to try Iowa. Yeah. No, I I'm already I'm putting in my points, and Cassandra's been putting in her points, and but for for me it was like. We chase whitetails from October to mid to late January because we hunt Illinois. And just the opportunity to go out there. And there's something about 
you you do put in the work. You set up on deer in Michigan and Illinois or and just whitetail in general. You put in the work. You find out where they're going. And essentially, you, you hope for them to walk by you is what it is. Whereas Nebraska, it's all in your hands. You put yourself in a situation to put get a shot. So you're you're the one sneaking into bow range. You're not waiting for a deer to come into you. There's just something about it. Like I I'm a Western hunter through and through. I freaking love it. It is so fun. But there's also something to say about chasing whitetails and putting yourself it's like doing the math correctly and putting yourself in the right right spot, right time, and everything falling together. I don't know. There's something about both, I guess. Having a little bit of luck, too. Yeah, a little bit of luck. But anyway, let's jump into this deer that you shot two two years ago, Davey. We we actually have a video of it up on the YouTube channel if you guys want to check it out. But uh, I want to dig a little deeper into the whole story. Uh, of this deer so if you if you will just kind of explain everything like how it worked and any history that you had with him or anything like that i'm not sure if i had a lot of history was that season i think i got one picture of him velvet and uh didn't see him all season and i had just started my job so i only had two weeks vacation and going into season wasn't seeing much take my time out to my swamp there and had a picture show up, I believe it was October 20th. Then I ended up seeing him on the hoof one day. Oh, it had to be, it was before Halloween, I know that. Then right then and there, boom, I got two weeks vacation. I'm putting it in. All we're doing this year is hunting because I'm going after that deer. Mm-hmm. And, and him, oh man, we played cat and mouse so much. You that was like you set your sights on it from October first. That was the deer you were hunting. That was the deer I was after. Didn't know if it was gonna happen. Then he's back in the zone October twentieth. And it was it was game on from then on. And I think I saw him ended up shooting him the sixth time I saw him maybe. But just going it was so stressful. I had him within eighty yards three different times never reacted to a grunt call anything like that um at one point in time i got a crick that runs through my property i feel like he always knew where i was at i'm pretty sure he had me pinned because we'd bounce around each other um my my thing i have four trees i can put a tree stand in two of which shouldn't have a tree stand in them at all but i'm a fat guy on a rope out there (laughs) trees are small but you got to do what you got to do. And um, one of my last encounters with them would have been, oh, I think it was November 7th or 10th, somewhere right in there, because I knew my, my main goal was to shoot them with the bow. Mm-hmm. So we actually set up in a spruce tree, and I had them coming in, chasing those like crazy, then he just bedded down. He would have been in between me and where I got to get out that night to go to my truck. I think he was 80 yards away. Bedded down with a doe. Gets dark. I wait there 45 minutes. You know, going through your head, do I got the long way around? How do I get out of here? Does he know I'm here? Don't want to bump a deer that's basically living on my property. 
Yeah. End up taking off my boots. Oh, you just see everybody do it on TV. It looks cool, right? <laughs> no, it's actually a lot quieter. Ended up taking off my boots, going through my creek, sneaking out the long way, thinking I'm being quiet and everything. Finally get out of there. Then, oh, there I got this one stand that I never. I just won't go into it. I gotta go through two bedding ground, bedding areas to get to it. And it would have been. November 14th is when I went in there and not thinking I'm going to shoot anything. Uh, end up going to the stand about 1230. Go out there and then I'm on my phone. I'm not going to see nothing. I see a couple does. It's not going to happen. I'm kind of over it. You know, gun openers next day, people are still down the road sighting in, getting ready for the morning. And uh, the neighbors cutting wood with a Electric chainsaw driving their golf cart all over. Wee <laughs> wee. They're just gonna ruin the whole whole. Yeah, ten percent left on my battery on my phone because that's all I've been doing is sitting there playing on my phone. Then finally they drive their golf cart away and then boom, he stands up and he's 120 yards away. Ended up, I was able to grunt him in three times and he just did laps around me and never got close enough and then. Just out of nowhere, I'm like, screw it. We're going to try pulling in. You see it on the outdoor channel and everything like that. We'll try the little snort wheeze. In my life did I think it would happen in Michigan, but this buck chased off everything else on the property. But we ended up throwing a snort wheeze at him, and he came in to 10 yards, and we plugged him. That was – was do I remember right? He was running around with a smaller buck earlier in the year, right? Uh, he was running around with a good 10, you know, probably good, you know, 115, 120s, and a good 8. Yeah, because I remember yeah. the vid- there was a video of him with the, the uh, I don't know if it was a smaller or both two smaller. I just remember that he was with other bucks. But how 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 many acres is it that you're hunting, and do you think that deer was, because, I mean, he was on your property 99% of that time from October what did you say, 21st till the 14th when you killed him? How many acres do you think he was running right there? Um, I own 20, and he wasn't. He was. He might have been leaving at night, stuff like that, but there's something weird about this 20 acres. I got food on both sides of me, then it's such a long stretch of swampland. Every year, whether it be that year, it just happened to be a, a big, mature deer, um, every year I'll get a live-in deer and I will see that same buck. I could almost see him every single night and he kind of runs the swamp. Now I hear lately, you know, before him, then these past two years since him or last season, it's been just a good, you know, 115, 120s. Yeah. I'll get a live-in deer every year and every once in a while it just happens to be that tank and they run the swamp and we have so many does out there. It's not even funny that, they don't have to go anywhere. You got food, you got water, and it's so thick. And yeah, I think. I mean, we pushed it. We pushed it late season this year just to kill a couple of does, and we had four guys pushing that twenty acres, and out of that twenty acres came forty doe that were just Jeez, in that. Man. That's that's in, that's in forty does on twenty. I mean. You said you have crop on both sides, but that's the thing, like, with Michigan, and I I 
preach this. We need to kill more and more does. I know I need to do it on on our property, and we're in a DMU, and we're only I was only allowed I only got one doe tag last year because for some reason they sold out of our unit. But I'll have trail can pictures with 15 does and one pitcher. It's it's absurd, but that that's crazy. 40 does on 20 acres. That's that's pretty wild. If you didn't, if you didn't know, it was anybody would probably call me a liar. But you know, I had my my brother-in-law out there with me and everything, and they're just amazed with it. I, you'd never think twenty acres, four does bedded up right there, but yeah, does are over that way. And that's a that's the other thing. Like your property, I know your property pretty well. I know where it sits, and it's a it's a good. Uh, it's a really good 20 acres and you got some really good neighbors too. Um, I don't know all your neighbors, but a lot of the, that block are, they practice quality deer management and that area is typically pretty good for, for harvesting some big deer. Oh yeah. Every year there's going to be something killed in that area. Sure. Yeah. Um, so on, on, when did you purchase that 20 acres? Oh, I would have been 20, 21 years old. Jeez, yeah. old Pete's. See, and like we get we get people on, and I mean, you and I both have buddies that are like, oh, if I had the opportunities you have, anyone can do it. It's a sacrifice, right? Oh yeah, it's what it's whatever you want to do, and that that's always been my thing. You know, I didn't I didn't grow up doing things on weekends or anything. If it was hunting season, it, that's what you did. Yeah, and I think there was there was a small group of our friends that. Once October hit on the weekends, we weren't doing anything but that. Yeah, don't call me unless you shot something. <laughs> <laughs> that's so so true. But yeah, that's that's incredible. Will you explain kind of a little bit about your your property type, kind of what it's like, and and just kind of how everything sets up? Oh, uh, there's not there's not much to it. If you if you drive by, it's nothing. <laughs> I have maybe an acre to where I can put a food plot. Like I said, there's no trees. I got a real, it's real thick. There's two islands in it. And that's the majority where the bedding is. But the problem with it is I get these mature poplars that you can finally put a tree stand in. It's so wet. It's, I mean, it's like floating bog that they, they just topple over. They get too top heavy. Yeah. There's no root bed. That's what we run into on our property right now. We get really big mature trees, but as soon as they hit like that perfect maturity, they're they're tipping over in a windstorm. Yep, as soon as they're big enough to put a tree stand in, like I said, I got a couple trees that I do have a tree stand in that I should. Yeah. Because every move you make, it's just bending all over the place. It's just shouldn't be in them. But well, if I'm, if you weren't so top heavy and you lifted more of your legs, you might might be cool. <laughs> I'm working on it twice a week. Twice a week. Uh, well, I'm, I'm built like a, a pipe cleaner, so I can go up in any tree, David. Oh, Jordan and I were out at their swamp, Dave, this year, and you guys are talking about a windstorm. Out at that place, it sounds like it's similar to yours. Windstorm magically turns into thunder and lightning because these trees are toppling over 50, 60 yards away from you, and it sounds like freaking thunder in your, <laughs> in your hat. 
I mean, it's the loudest, most like heart shattering. I mean, that put the fear of the Lord in me, man. It was crazy. <laughs> You're sitting in a tree, just going, "Oh my word!" If this thing tips, we're in a big, big problem. And that night, I was in well, that specific night. I was in probably the biggest tree on the property. Yeah, dicey, dicey stand. <laughs> tree stand that should not. The bottom of it, Dave, is busted and bent in. It almost touches the base of the tree. It's That's like, how uh, bent the ladder is. I was doing a Sylvester Stallone scene from Cliffhanger, kind of getting <laughs> up into it because I'm literally climbing like backwards mm. on the ladder. It was pretty nuts. But um, so, Dave, like on your property, I know pretty a, a little bit. Like it's pretty open, like thick brush, but how. Like your mature, most of your trees are like six feet high, right? Yeah, we, there's nothing too big. I might have 12 footers here and there. I'm surrounded by mature trees. Fortunately, I, it's on my west side, yeah. on the east side of the property, so I can play that westward wind. Um, yeah. The problem is, I'm only sitting one side of the swamp. Yeah, gotcha. But, I mean, it's really open. I can see all the way across it. So anything, aside from being so thick, if it's out there, you're gonna see it if it gets on its feet. How do you think it? How do you think that deer got to the age that he did? Especially in Michigan, what do you think were like the key factors? It's how dense that swamp is. I mean, that swamp's got to be. I think there's eight miles of swamp right there. Okay, you're saying connect like all connected with your neighbors and everything. Oh, river bottom it's just it's so thick back in there it's like you're in a different state that you wouldn't think you're in this game where i don't know if you could walk all the way through it gotcha so what what was like the key factor like when you were looking to buy land why why did you select what was your your big thing on picking this piece of property my biggest thing was i grew up a fence row hunter i've never had a woods i've never had a swamp and then you know, that's all anybody ever talks about. If you want to shoot a big buck, you got to get in the swamp. Yeah. Bucks is where it's at. You know, I've done well on the fence rows, crop fields, stuff like that. That's all we ever had. So this this opportunity came open. Um, I think it was always a fear of possibly losing the family farm that pushed me to, I got to buy some of my own because you, you look at everybody else and Michigan's huge for it. There is such a market for hunting land that, you know, average Joe, we can't afford to, to lease, you know, anything that's worthwhile. You, you just can't do it. Yeah. It's expensive to lease. Um, I don't know. I've always worked a lot and all my passion and everything and everywhere I wanted to dump my money was into hunting. So when this opportunity came about, I had enough credit, you know, for for land and took a chance and turned down everything I had, and it's worked out. I'm glad I did it. It's the best investment I've ever made. Yeah, like Chad Gray says, he doesn't think they're making any more of it. So. Yeah, definitely <laughs> less every day, so. So just priorities the sacrifice, man. Gets it done, right? Yeah, not being... You know, tied down with a lady yet. <laughs> Not yet. We're a month away, right? Yeah, just about a month away. But she's, she's a good lady, though. She'll, she'll keep your head on straight. Oh, yeah. Well, need to get her in the woods. 
Take her out. Well, tur- take her out turkey hunting this year. She wants to. We'll try to get into it. Are I've you? never been turkey hunting. What? Never been big into turkey hunting. Oh, we've never. I've never been big into it. But it's Jake and I talked about it on our, on the last pet podcast. It's I think it's the best way to introduce people into hunting because one, it's so interactive with turkeys. Like you, you can talk back and forth with them. You get one goblin. Imagine being your first time out hunting and you hear a gobbler coming in. It'd be pretty cool. You can get someone hooked pretty easily on hunting. Get her out there. Take her out and whatever. Get her an apprentice tag. You can can show her how it's done. What's an apprentice tag? She doesn't have to. You don't have to take hunter safety in Michigan. Don't. Nope. Not if you're not if you hunt with somebody. It's like an apprenticeship. So it's like a year or two. So she could buy a tag and go out and hunt as long as she's with you. Um, you can kind of show her how everything works, and I, I want it. Might be two years that they get to hunt without taking hunter safety, and then the third year, if they want to continue to hunt, she just has to take hunter safety, and then she's good to go. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So you need to do it. I mean, that's what I think Josh did with his his kids. The apprenticeship, and then eventually, once they got to an age that they wanted to uh, start hunting, they could. And I believe, like when they're younger, don't quote me on this, but when they're younger, they can buy an apprentice tag all the way up to the age of like twelve. When you have to take hunter safety, I believe. So. Oh, definitely have to look into that. Yeah, because then you can get her out there, and she doesn't even have to take on her safety. And then if she loves it, then you're good. To, then you're good to go. Then enroll her into a class. No, actually, she actually grew up in Ohio. Was wasn't really around the hunting scene, but we got her out this year and actually shot a wounded buck with her. And that's the first time she ever sat in a, sat in a stand. We're hunting on the farm. There's very likely that we'll not see a deer. And lo and behold, we ended up seeing four does come in. As soon as we sit down, this wounded buck comes in right behind him. And I shoot that, and I think we're 10 minutes into the hunt. So, <laughs> oh, man. So now she's under this impression. It's that easy. Every, every time. Jeez. What did, what did your buck score, by the way? Not that it matters, but we always ask. Well, it depends on the day and how many beverages I have. <laughs> I've had a string on that thing probably 30 times. Oh, boy. I mean, it's just so many competitions with the, the scoring thing. He was, it's in between 138 and 147. That's a big jump. That's a lot of beers. Yes. <laughs> he's a tank, though. I will he, say that. He is he's a, low, low 140s. He wasn't, he's not huge by any means. He's definitely not 150 or over, but. I was tickled to death as Buckeyes after he's definitely matured year. Yeah. And, but I think that's the problem. We Everybody kind of gets caught up in these days, and it kind of ruins hunting, to be honest with you, is the score thing. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, if you're like that deer, you, that was like what you set your sights on, and you were going out there to kill him, and you worked so hard to do it, and then finally you do it. It's like care less what he scores. Doesn't yeah. doesn't matter. The number to it and figure out the score. You're you're always gonna put a tape on it, but I think your goals change year to year. Yep. And 
you can't base your goals on what everybody else wants to shoot and stuff like that. But, I mean, I'm all about shooting mature deer. That's all I want to shoot, but that's my goal. I can't take somebody else's goals away from them because we don't believe in the same thing. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Uh, it's like the, the buck that I'm after in Illinois for this will be four or five years now. And I'm telling you why, he's going to score probably low 140s, maybe maybe 140. I don't know what he's going to be this year. But if he walked in and with a 160-inch buck, I'm telling you what, I'm going to shoot that eight-point because I've hunted him for so long. Yeah, because he's definitely on the decline, right? He's, he's got to be now. Yeah. Because he's – last year, Cassandra found his shed, and he is just one side. The previous year, we didn't find anything. The year before that, I found the match set. And his time length is the same, except for his, his main beams were – a touch shorter two years later but he would have scored higher because of how much mass he had okay. super heavy and then this year we got a trail cam pick of him and he probably would score higher than he has ever because of the but you're sheer talking mass about six plus year old deer right he's this year i think Five he's six i think he's six and a half or seven and a half this year unbelievable yeah. just a just a tank heavy heavy horn eight point but, but, yeah, it's back to what you are saying. It doesn't matter what they score. But it's always, like, when we have guys on here, we want to know what they score simply just because then it's like a reference. Like, when you say a big deer. And this deer you shot was big. The video you can see. And, again, back to the, the video. So you shot him almost, I mean, looking right at you, correct? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the camera angle throws it off a little bit. Um he would have been, he was quartering hard towards me. Okay. Um, had that, he was offset from me, so I had a little bit of that angle going for me. But, I mean, 10 yards in a tree stand. Yeah. But Did, I was very, I was using fixed blades at the time, or I don't use mechanicals at all anymore. I can't stand them. Mechanical, it's just going to fail eventually. But, using fixed blades and the way I should, was shooting I was very confident in that shot. A lot of people wouldn't take it or say it's a bad shot, but I knew with the equipment that I had at the time that I would have no problem punching through that pocket. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, he went. It was one of the best kills I've had. I think he trucked 60, 80 yards away, and he was done. Jeez. So when you shot him, did you still try to sneak it behind that back shoulder, or did you go more up in the front towards that brisket? It would have been the way he was angling everything. I had, with as close as he was, I hit that crease on top of the shoulder blade. Okay. That's where I ended up going in because I, I knew I didn't want to go through the shoulder blade and risk the, you know, it glancing off to one side or the other or. You know, if you shoot too high, if you shoot too low, I mean, it's not a good shot by any means, but I was confident in taking it. Mm-hmm. Or just that gap right in between the top of the shoulder blade and the spine. And he was close. He was really close. Yeah, so there, I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that that shot couldn't be made. And what, what happened, what, it all came down to I wasn't letting him go again. Yeah. <laughs> and I was after this buck i know it was only three weeks i think a little over three weeks i was hunting this 
but I took two weeks off work and it was an everyday event. I mean, there was a couple days there that I didn't go to stand because I failed so much in the past that I learned from my mistakes to kill this deer that when he came in and you can see it in the video, he came in on a string on the snort wheeze. I'm, I regret not being able to get that part on videotape, but he came in on a string and he did the look up and cock the head. And when they cock their head like that, you know, it's only a matter of seconds. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, they're going to bust out of there. Yeah. I, I had him broadside at 20 yards and didn't get him to stop. It was too thick. I think I held my bow for well over a minute. I have yeah. to look at the, watch it, but it, you were you were at full draw for a long time, a real long time. Because we, I, I'm pretty sure in the video you see you draw back, and it's and that's when he's like coming through that brush to the left of the like the screen, and he comes through and then works right towards you. And you're, it it was wild. You were at full draw. Well, and the biggest problem I ran into that tree so small, I ended up pushing the camera. I can't believe I got it on camera because I just pushed the camera out of my way. I actually pulled back on him sitting down. So in the video, it looks like I'm extremely shaky, but what's happening is as he's coming through the brush, I'm having to switch sides on what side the bow is on, which side of my leg. So I keep bouncing back and forth and left and right, left and right. Where is he going? Because i got to go over my knee every single time. As soon as he looks up at me, I have to... There was a bigger gap than what it looks like in that tree. It was actually, you know, I mean, you could drive a buster on video. It makes it look like it's a threading needle. Yeah. But. That's so a, he was staring right at you, though. Like, he was pretty much busting you, and you drilled him. Oh, yeah. I'll have to show you the so video. So sweet, man. It's, it, I think I've, I, well, I'm pretty sure if it's on Risky Outdoors, I've seen it, but trying to remember but that dude yeah i'm looking forward to checking that one out again so dave like here's a question so you said you learned a lot and there's a couple days that you didn't go in there when like on your property so let's just say for for example say it's a long a rectangle piece of property you know your access is on the east side so what when aren't you hunting this property when aren't you going in there like you said that you took like two or three days off and just didn't hunt simply because you knew it wasn't it wasn't right so when you say it's not right what do you mean by that any wind that comes out has any easterly wind doesn't matter if it's north or south just the way i'm set up majority of the time i won't touch it okay i mean it's just it's impossible i'm coming in from the northeast corner Gotcha. There's no way to get in there. So, you know, if you got a wind coming out of the northeast, I'm done it. As soon as I get out of the truck, I'm just blowing across the whole property. Gotcha. What's your stance on it? What's your scent control like? Like, what are you? Uh, I know there's some guys that are like diehard. Like, I'm. Um, I mean, you saw a couple of guys in Nebraska, like scent scent lot or the whatever those bags are, and. What what's think, your what's your stance on it? I think I will after the way those shirts smelled going into that bag <laughs> and the way it smelled coming out of it, I might get one of those bags. Okay. That was a but, diff, different animal out there. We were dripping sweat every day. Um back back home here, my my clothes, they never touch the inside of a vehicle. Like I'm not crazy about scent control, but I will never dress until I get to the field now. Okay, I didn't know. I did not know that about you. I'll probably wash uh, 
wash my clothes two or three times and everything stays in a tote and my stuff doesn't see the inside of the truck or anything like that. Like like my kind of guy. Jake's the same way. My I'm 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 not with you guys. Jordan's uh, a Big Mac or a, you know we said it before, but a egg McMuffin and a coffee in his in his gear in the truck. Oh yeah, I mean, well it's a McChicken every day, right? McChicken, McChicken every day. Chicken Yep. No question, but my thing is like you're gonna. I get where you guys come from, and maybe this year I try it. The whole being a little more diligent about my scent, but my thing is. Yeah, it might buy you an extra two seconds or whatever, but you're never going to beat a big buck's nose, a mature deer. I, I really don't think you can do it. No matter Ozonics, whatever people are using, I, I really don't think you, that you can beat them. I don't. Well, see, I think you're right, but like we said before, that was an extra couple seconds, man. I don't know. I'm not good enough. I need those couple. I need every possible millisecond I can get with that guy not busted me. You know, however I can get it, I'm gonna I'm gonna work for it. So well, that's why I go back to using a back tension release or like a thumb or a finger release. If I got one second, I'm gonna punch that trigger and I'm gonna send an air. <laughs> send an air. Fly, man. Let him fly. I tried a back tension today, David. You lose an arrow. Oh, didn't lose an arrow, but. Holy smokes. If the wall wasn't targets and we weren't in an archery <laughs> shop. I mean, there was an arrow gone, the gonzo, man. Oh. It was, was nerve-wracking watching you shoot it. And when you did it, I was like, there's no way in a million years I'm trying this. Have you ever tried one? I've never, never tried one. Dude, they're like, you know, I mean, we're, we're nimrods. We, we just like, like fooling around with this stuff. I shot it. I granted I did. So when I did it right, you figured it out. When yeah, I when no I question. figured it out, I mean I was tendering one after another. But there was something about it like just had me on edge. And when they started it out, it wasn't adjusted right, like it was too heavy or something they were saying. And then they loosened it when it and it was actually touching off a lot sooner. Like when I wasn't expecting it, but it was it was shady. It was crazy. And then there's guys that hunt with that setup. Don't. Yeah, no, I can't go into a field like that. No way. You I, don't. You literally don't. I guess you don't know when the thing's gonna let loose, right? Yeah, you don't like know when it's going off. To me, it's like I don't. I just can't wrap my head around that's how that's okay in the field, <laughs> right? Like he's staring at you, Dave, and you're trying to get this thing to rip off, and you're like. Go, like, go, 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 please go. go. Please fly away now. <laughs> like, uh, it was crazy. I know it's not that simple, and there's obviously legitimately rock star phenomenal archers that are using these to kill monsters. Uh, but, man, I don't know. I just don't have the time to get used to it. I think it freaks freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dave, we're going to move into a couple, a couple like, faster, matter of opinion, rapid-fire type questions. So... If you could choose Michigan to change a law on hunting regulations, what would you like to see the state go to? Would it be like antler point restriction, single buck tag, earn a buck tag, or any other like ideas that you might have? What What do you like? Earn a buck all day. Earn a buck. Mm. I think. I think, uh, I think the point restriction. I don't know. I just don't like it. 
I mean, if you got a giant six point out there, you know, he's he's five plus years old. I want to be able to shoot that six point. Yeah. So I can't I can't necessarily agree with the the point restriction being a mature buck or older buck or anything like that. I think where I'm at, what I see, I know there's different places in the state that aren't like this, but I'm seeing way too many does, and you still got people shooting two bucks. Mm-hmm. Make earn a buck all day. So would you have one buck tag that you could just like have, and then you earn your second tag, or are you saying earn your first tag? first one earn your first one so I'd, you're I'd lo- i think i'd like to see the state go to one buck tag yeah i know we're so old-fashioned in the state it seems like they don't want anything to do with uh conservation but this we could be unbelievable for big bucks i agree i totally agree man michigan totally has agree. everything we have it all it, i mean we have the cover we have more cover than iowa we have the crops, we have the water. It, it could be Michigan could be something special if we had the right regulations. But we all also got a hunter around every tree. Oh yeah, yeah. Our hunter density is a big thing, right? But if we're if we're using it in our favor for incentivizing people to shoot does and we're managing our herd more effectively, there's no question. The age class or bucks is going to improve tremendously, right? And I think earning a buck is a huge piece of that. I, I mean, it's worked in phenomenal whitetail states, right? Like I, I hunted in Wisconsin for a tiny spell, and holy smokes, man! Like it became kind of it's kind of part of their culture in certain counties, and it's the way that they manage their herd, and it works. It's proven. Yeah, it's good stuff. I, I like the idea of. I like the idea of the earn a buck tag, but I would like to see earn your second, your second buck tag maybe. Like you get your first buck tag, because like think about going out there and your your number one hit lister walks by you day one and you can't shoot him. Like that's to me that'd be like man. But here's the other thing: like Brad was on here with Chad and Josh the other day, and he's like, I need three deer a year to feed my family. Okay, so guys like Brad. Him and his wife, and he's got two kids. So Brad shoots a doe and then shoots a buck, and then now he has to shoot another doe to get a buck tag. Now he's got three deer, and he says three deer feeds his family. How do you really think, I mean, not all people are going to stop hunting, but some are going to be like, you know what, I got enough to get me through, and they're going to be probably more picky on that second buck tag. I like that. I like yeah. that. I like that idea. I de- I definitely like like you guys were touching on the apprentice stuff earlier. I definitely love the idea of like first time hunters, and I don't know how you, you know how you regulate that, but like maybe it is that apprenticeship program. Like you don't have to earn a buck, right? Like first yeah. buck I shot was like a little seven. Yeah, I, you know, the kids gotta ki- get a kill under the belt, right? Mm-hmm. And something with some horns that you know fires them up or whatever, him or her up and. Um, I mean, there's something there, but like, I don't know. I, I just, I just, I love the idea of that herd management and taking does off more than us shooting bucks, but I don't know. I just like mature deer and I don't see enough of them. So I guess I'm just a complainer or something (laughs) (laughs) or I've blown all my opportunities I've had. Maybe that's a better way to put it. No, Dave, here's a question for you. Do you think Michigan is going to get 
better or just not even Michigan, just hunting in general? Do you think we're we're in our heyday now or do you think it's going to get worse or better? It's both. I think the quality of deer being shot, everybody's caught on to that. And I think our state in the whole is getting better um, based on what we shoot. Everybody's starting to shoot more, you know, bigger bucks. Michigan used to be, if, if it's got horns, shoot it. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the old boys you talk to, that's what they grew up around. But, you know, just since we were kids and stuff like that, there's, you know, everybody's on the mature buck kick which has helped tremendously, but we're also hooked on what we see on the outdoor channel. Yeah. And social media. It's kind of ruined it too. Like I want to see more failure because that's what it is. Yeah. Like I think we're losing sight of that when you watch all these big wigs on TV and stuff like that, it kind of ruins it. But then you got the guys on like the hunting public and stuff like that. And they're showing failure. That's what I want to see. Yeah. It's like scoring deer ruined a lot of it, you know. Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree with that a hundred percent. I like the I like the idea of like showing the failure because it's not. The only thing I would disagree with you it's it's not failure because think about every time I know I every time I've failed every time you failed we all you gain something big like if you drop the ball somewhere and it costs you something special. You're, you're learning not to do that again. So I don't know that I'd call it a failure, but I, I get where you're coming from, definitely. That's all I got to relate to, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest, right? <laughs> Jake had some, some opportunities this year, and, yeah, well, he's going to bounce back this year. He's going to get <laughs> him, He's going to get himself a lot a of learning, one. a lot of learning this year, for sure. Oh, man. But, all right, so crossbows. For or against? Totally against. Totally against. But, I mean, that's a tough one, too, because there's guys that shoot traditional and stuff like that are totally against compounds, so I, I think it kind of goes in pace, and that's where we're at now. But, I don't know, I just have a hard time with it because it brought a lot of the Michigan gun hunters into our bow season. So selfishly against. Selfishly, but, you know, it used to be it gave a uh, – the less fortunate or disabled or anything like that, a way to get out in the bow woods with us and stuff. But so you're, you're, you're for it just with regulation. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think it's made people lazy. Ah, I like that. Mm. So here's, here's Cassandra's take on this. She says that it's the ethical thing because those people that don't get out and shoot their bow often, it's an ethical thing for them to pick up a crossbow rather than trying to go out and shoot one with a compound. But I like that. That's it's lazy, is what it is, because we all none of us have time. We're all working hard. The compound. If you want to hunt, you got to put it. You know, you got it to be good at it and everything else. When I'm with my bow, I'm not going to pick it up. You know, the day before October first, and yep, we're good. Like, got to get in shape and shoot it, and that that's part of what it is. And, I see where she's coming from. That makes sense to me. Yeah. It does, but I just think it. I think it's straight lazy. Like, oh, I don't have to practice anymore. It's like I gotta... picking up a gun and shooting it is what it is. Nope. I, I get it. All right. So if you had to take one piece of equipment, you're never going to forget it when you go out to the stand. And I don't want to hear like a bow or your release 
What's your What's your one thing that you are like? I gotta have it with me. I always got a rangefinder now. Yeah. I gotta say that's what I don't forget anymore. I might forget my release. <laughs> I and forget I, my release all the time. Many trucking back. No, I don't. I don't know. It's got to be the rangefinder. I don't know why that's always hooked on me now. Yeah. I think start shooting. I mean, we got these bows that you're shooting 60 yards, no problem anymore. I always want that edge. Yeah. What do you What do you feel is ethical? Like, what's your What's your range? You're like, oh, I'm not shooting anything past that. Um, I'm very comfortable myself. You know, 40 is a chip shot now. You know, it used to be warmed up at 20 yards and stuff like that. I don't touch anything closer than 40 yards now. Yeah. That forty to fifty range, obviously everything closer. Over fifty yards, I just don't like it. Yeah. At all. I think we lose a lot of power. I'm not saying it can't be done and I can definitely shoot out to seventy yards. But you know, like we, we saw in Nebraska, I've never hunted from the ground like that, I'm a tree stand hunter. Yeah. That I, I tell everybody that I talk to I've never hunted, I mean, I've hunted in Montana, but I've never hunted an area like that where it is so, it's almost impossible to judge yardage out there. There's no backdrop. There's no backdrop. There, it was, like, we were shooting, I mean, we'd shoot in the yard there, and you're like, how far is it? And you're like, ah, 30 yards. And you'd range it, and you're like, 62. And you're like, holy smokes. Oh, my word. It, it was... It was eye-opening being out there and shooting just because, and I mean, we all learned like rangefinder is so key out there and you got to pick like a sagebrush bush or something and range it and anticipate like, okay, the deer might come there on, and then you're, you have to range multiple spots and it, and just Settle in because it's correct. Your rangefinder's right because your eyes and everything else is going to tell you you are way off. But I, it is that was nuts. It was absolutely crazy. I, I couldn't believe that being out there. We we talk about the the failing or learning from it thing, and now we're talking about the range and everything. The day opening day in Nebraska, I snuck in on that buck and uh, actually missed it, but. I got in within 40 yards, and I had the same range, rock solid. I mean, no my mind that I'm going to kill this buck. Shot true and everything like that. I've never had an animal jump a string like that. Yeah. I've never found, and okay, this thing just jumped my string and went right over his back. I was rock solid, knew he was 40 yards, everything was on. But right there, okay, you think about taking a 60-yard shot. How do you do that? That just yeah. learning experience. It's in it was crazy being out there too, like the fact like how different they are from a whitetail. Like those those three bucks after we, we got your deer taken care of and we're walking out and I told you I was gonna shoot a deer with yours on my back and we spotted those those three bucks bedded oh. looking into the wind. Yeah, that's mind blowing. I don't it, I, mean, it, I, believe, I believe you guys, but I'm gonna need to see it. I think that's crazy. It was nuts. Like I'm, and they were mature deer. And they're not whitetail. It's a different animal. It's crazy. It is. They are, and they're big. They're way bigger than a whitetail. 
just body-wise, sheer body-wise. I think we saw more bucks than we saw does out there, don't you? Uh, I don't remember seeing a lot of does, to be honest with you. I had that one, you know, when you and Phil took off at this phantom deer that didn't <laughs> and I it's old deer for him. And I had that doe that was sitting next to us that whole night. Dave, so Phil shot, Phil shot his buck, and we spotted another buck. And I still had my tag. So Phil's like, well, let's go after yours. And we left David with Phil's deer. And we were gone, what, probably an hour and a half. Long enough for me to debone the whole thing. Was gonna <laughs> <laughs> and we do all the work, right? We came back and Phil's deer is completely taken care of. <laughs> it was a good time, though. I didn't, that was, uh, hey, I put in my work helping you out. Oh, yeah. So Dave's deer, we, uh, Back to the learning experience, literally cut his deer in half. And Dave and I put, each of us grabbed a half of his deer and carried it out. Nice. And it was a long walk. That's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We're in a rush to get back out before dark. Yeah. You, you, You don't want to be out there in the dark. Do not want to be out there in the dark. I don't think you'd find your way back. You can't skyline nothing or anything like that. I don't know. I don't know. It's a different. CO said there was six, 16 collared cats. Yeah, something like that. 16 Holy in the smokes. in the unit we were in. Not cool, man. Crazy. Trying to talk Jake out of going. That <laughs> hole. Oh yeah, found a hole like with where a cat was eating something. It was just blood everywhere. After we got those couple rains, there'd be fresh tracks everywhere. So it is wild. Lots of, coy- Lots of coyotes. That was one of the coolest experiences. Dave and I were sitting up on this ridge, and you'd see this coyote's head pick up and bark, and it would be a solid three seconds later. You'd hear, because it's just so far away. Crazy. It was pretty cool. But all right, Dave, we're gonna wrap up, bud. So I just have. Uh, I'll ask you. I'll ask you one other question. If you if you could tell your younger self. One thing hunting related, what would it be? It's a deep yeah. question. It's a tough one. Like what's your biggest your biggest learning experience that you that you think you've you've like overcome that's made you successful because you've killed multiple big deer, not just this one that we've been talking about, but multiple big deer and then hunting with you in Nebraska. I mean, I could tell like you knew what you were doing and you obviously killed a deer on like day two. So like, what is that? What's that one thing that has kind of put you over the top and, and made you successful? It's gotta be patience. Yeah. Like, I'm all about the run and gun, but it's stopping and thinking the whole thing through before you take off running. Okay. I like that. Do you really like that, Jordan? No, I don't. <laughs> that's, that's the exact opposite of Jordy. We like we have to grab back of his shirt and say we're not running yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm. That's why it feels good for you. He is good for me, man. He is the complete opposite, isn't he? He's a very, very patient hunter. That dude is so calm and patient. Like I, I say, be patient and everything, but I'm still. I'm still at that stage where I still take off and I screw screw stuff up. Yeah. But compared to what I used to be, you're, I guess, 
Yeah, you're a little more patient than I am. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm the complete opposite, and I know that. And that's what everyone just keeps telling me. I mean, you, Phil, everyone that we've had on this podcast, like, you just need to slow down. And I'm just like, man, there's just something about me that I get so giddy, Dave. I just, I'm like. Well, think about that time when we went after that three by three. And you're so giddy, and before you could figure out a trail to go down or anything like that, you take off. <laughs> Ten minutes later, you're back to find a different trail because you couldn't down. Oh, that was rough. I literally walked forever and got almost to the bottom of the mountain, and there was like a 30-foot drop. I'm like, <laughs> son of a gun. Turn around, I had to go back up to the top, and Dave's sitting there, and I'm like, hey, He's like, you've been gone forever. And I'm like, can't get down. So I had to go and find another drainage. But sometimes, yeah, if you slow down, slow down, make the right moves, put you in the right position, save you. Uh, smarter, not harder, right? Isn't that the saying? Yeah. Well, Work smarter, not harder. Well, when it comes to hunting, I think I'm the complete opposite of that. <laughs> but All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you coming on and chitting, chatting with us. Um, We'll have to do it again. We want to get kind of like a big round table discussion of all of us Nimrods and just kind of chit chat about our season and um, what we're gonna do once deer season hits. We're we're gonna pull people on to the podcast from now till then, and then once deer season hits, we're gonna get updates from all you guys weekly, um, just kind of how your season's going kind of the things that you're learning, what you're seeing in the woods, and just kind of an update for all of our Michigan hunters. So, But, again, Dave, we appreciate it, brother. Thanks, fellas. Awesome chatting with you, Dave. We appreciate it. Jake and I had a heck of a time just reminiscing about Nebraska and just got us both, you know, excited for this year. And I I just encourage all Michigan deer hunters to – um, look into going to other states, whether it's even Indiana or Ohio, both over-the-counter type tags. Just get out and experience something new. I mean, there is campsites that you guys can go to and um, just literally pop up somewhere and go in and just scout some public land. You can do it for so cheap, and it's it's just a, a whole new ball game once you get out of the, the state of Michigan. Although, you know, there is something to say about the state we live in we all love it we love hunting deer we love chasing them here um but it's it is special to to be able to experience something new and you know even if it's just for a weekend or you know if you're close to the border you can hop back and forth every couple weekends and it's it's just something cool to do so if you guys want to just even chat with us about that and different ideas that we have we would love to help you guys out and point you in the right direction um also if you'd like to be on the podcast go over to riskyoutdoors.com um contact link shoot us a little message we'd love to love to have you guys on the show um Other than that, we uh, have some pretty exciting episodes planned for you guys. So stick around every Sunday. We plan on launching them um, Sunday evenings. So they'll be live on Monday mornings for you guys' travels to work. Other than that, stay stealthy and strive to become a Nimrod.